The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Freaking first cut. Golly. Welcome to the First Cup Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman. That right there. See ya, Najad. See ya. Woo. No, no days off, bud. Let's go. No days off and no hangover, Rick. I, you know, I, I, I want to shoo away this sentiment that okay, it's a, it's a tournament after a major. We don't need to be quite as excited. No, we need to be quite as excited, if not more so. Let's get after it, man. There's just as much money to win this week as there was last week. Or, I mean, maybe technically not. There's not as many tournaments offered. But you know what I mean, Rick. Let's go. You know what used to bother me a lot more? I mean, it doesn't bother me as much anymore. But it used to bother me a lot when uh, years ago, like, content creators would be like, well, you know, this is the the fall portion of the schedule. Like, I'll just see you guys in, in January. And I'm like, that's like 13 events that you're skipping. How can you skip 13 events? But I've I've grown older and stopped caring about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get it. Um, at the end of the day, though, uh, I, I, I really am excited about this, Rick. I mean, this is a field that I don't really think I was expecting. I mean, if I was looking back three months ago and, and kind of picturing what the field would be after the PGA Championship, I, I don't think I would have seen this talent. I wouldn't have thought I would have seen this talent. Yeah, I mean, going from Tulsa to Fort Worth is is not a long trip. And with the kind of history that we have around Colonial and this event, as of right now, it's a stacked deal. I still think we're going to get a WD or two uh, coming down the pipeline. We'll see. But I mean, we'll, we'll go through this in a second. But uh, Scotty Scheffler, Justin Thomas, Colin Morikawa, Jordan. Sp- I mean, it's it's a fairly stacked field. Oh yeah, it's it's not a fairly stacked field, Rick. It's a stacked field. I mean, we've got we've got, and you know what's cool about that, by the way, is that therefore the pricing is a little soft, and you can get there's a lot of talent in the seven K range, even a little bit in the six K range, so you can really get the lineup that you want. Now, the next question is, you know, what's ownership going to be? Where do you want to pivot and things of that nature? But yeah, that I've made a few lineups, as everybody knows, and they, you know, they're, they're looking pretty good. But you know, Monday when they look pretty good, well, talk to me on Friday. Quick announcement before I forget: the fan voting for the one and done is now open. I assume there is a link in the description. We've been tweeting it out, and Sia, we are going very, very bright and early on Tuesday morning. So those selections from the fans need to actually be in earlier. So if you're listening to me right now, just go do it right now. Uh, Don't wait because we are going at, I think, 10 a.m. Eastern time on Tuesday. We're going to roll out of bed. I'm on the West Coast. I'm going to roll out of bed and we are going to lock those one and done's in. So the, the fans should not wait. Oh, no. Do we have you on mute? There if you wait, sorry, Rick, you are going to be beset with um whoever I pick, which you know is bad <laughs> news. Just the straight mush 
if if uh, if they miss out, they have to take whoever see it takes. That's that's actually really good. Yeah. Um. All right. Let's talk about the course, and I'll I'll share my screen here. So this is uh, my website, RickRunGood.com. It's everything I'll be showing you on on YouTube. Colonial Country Club, uh, longest non-major course event combination. It's like 75 years in a row or something outrageous like that. And um, so obviously, see, uh, the data that we have is really good, really strong because we have such a great uh, time frame. It's generally generally played at the same time of year. And what you'll kind of notice, I believe, as the biggest contrast to last week is a lot more tree-lined fairways where hitting the ball into the fairway, being accurate off the tee seems much more advantageous uh, than maybe even just looking back one week. Yeah, and trees aside, the, the rough will certainly be more penal as well. So uh, we're going to hear a word a lot this week, positional. I mean, this is definitely a positional golf course where you're going to have a lot of guys that you might deem sort of inaccurate off the tee that maybe that's not as significant this week because they're going to be clubbing down. So, you know, you get it in the fairway and then you really have to hone in on the approach game, which is what I've honed in on in terms of looking at the class of golfer that I want to choose this week. So approach, putting, I think around the green, I'd like to get your opinion here, Rick, but I think around the green is definitely going to be kind of neutralized a little bit here. Although I think there are competing theories to that when it comes to quote, easy around the green play. Um, with that said, putting approach play, that's, that's where I want to be this week. There are always competing theories. That's kind of the, that's kind of the thing. Yeah. I'm, I'm of the mindset that you don't have to be great around the green here. Uh, the bunkers are fairly straightforward and easy to get out of. There's not a lot of difficult uh, spots around the greens. You mentioned like the fact that there will be rough, kind of like thick rough everywhere. That stuff around the greens is a lot easier for the worst short game players to get up and down from. There's a, a bigger margin of error there. And then if you want to look at even just the leaderboard from last year, even just the, the, the champion from last year, Jason Kokrak lost strokes around the green mm -hmm. last year in route to victory. Um, I think 17 of the top 30 guys on the leaderboard lost strokes around the green. It's, it's not going to burn you if you drop a stroke or two uh, in that, in that area. So I'm, I'm cool with that. Um, the other thing, if you want to bend, if you want to just bend the knee to the numbers, driving accuracy uh, much more important, or at least much more correlated to success over the years than driving distance was. And then um, the par threes that you have see are all over 190 yards. Three of them play about in the one nineties. One of them can be stretched out to like 245, something outrageous like that, which is where we've seen a lot of through lines of champions. Some of these guys that play the long par threes really well. Jason Kokrak is one of them. Zach Johnson is one of them. Daniel Berger is one of them. I mean, they account for four, four victories at Colonial. So I think there's a through line in being able to, take advantage of, or at least survive the longer threes. Yeah. And I think if you want to build that into your model, that certainly makes sense. You know, part three scoring or particularly the, the part threes of the length that we're talking about. So yeah, I, I think that's something, that's something I'm definitely going to look at, but it's definitely going to be secondary to sort of some of those like baseline metrics that we talked about. The other thing, don't forget, uh, the horrible horseshoe is here. So the first two holes, very easy, very gettable. Two of the easiest holes on the golf course, and they smack you in the face at three, four, and five. That's the horrible horseshoe. It's one of these three-hole stretches and that are very difficult, and we see that um, six or seven times on the schedule. See, I've been, I've been uh, coming up with this idea. I think they should take three very easy holes 
and brand those holes like the go zone or like, you know, something. Why, why are the three hole stretches that have names always the hard stretches? They should be the holes that these guys are going to take apart. That's a great point. And by the way, go zone is awesome. Can we do that? Rick, listen, you're an ambassador to the sport. Let's let's implement that for a three hole or we don't even have to go by the three standard. Maybe it's a four hole or a two hole stretch. Yeah, maybe I, it's a nine hole stretch. Who cares? We're, we're going rogue here. <laughs> go zone rolls off the tongue. Uh, like I expect you to have a course uh, fitting for that term very soon. All right. Well, I'll uh, I'll put that on the on the list as well. OK, I want to dive into the cheat sheet, go tier by tier here and start talking through some of the plays, because as mentioned, it's a really, really great field. We will do that. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Did you know that more than 75 percent of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10 percent will seek out a solution for that pain. Those numbers do not add up to me. And I know it can be confusing the biomechanics of the foot, the bones, the muscles, everything in between, but solving foot pain is simple. And that's where super feet comes into play. These super feet insoles go into your shoes, give your feet comfort and support where they need it the most and redistribute the forces that reduce both stress and strain through your entire body, not just your feet. Insoles have been uh, phenomenal for me uh, personally, and they are clinically proven to decrease fatigue, reduce injury, and improve comfort. I can attest to that myself, especially when walking uh, a lot of golf holes that I play. So if you feel good, you play good, you look good, everything works out from there and it starts from the bottom up. Visit superfeet.com and enter promo code FIRST at checkout for 15% off your first order plus free shipping. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. And we're back. Here's the cheat sheet. Uh, six golfers over $10,000 led by... Scotty Scheffler at 11,200, fresh off a miscut at the PGA Championship. Justin Thomas, flat 11,000, fresh off a victory at the PGA Championship. Colin Morikawa is 10-7. Jordan Spieth is 10-4. Will Zalator is 10,100. And at a flat $10,000, one Victor Hovland. Sia Najad, how do we go about breaking down the top of the board? Yeah, as usual, a lot to like here. It's hard to offer criticism to really any of these guys. I will say my favorite lineup that I've built so far, and just for perspective, I'm building like single entry, three max type entries. Uh, my favorite lineup started in the 9K range, and we'll talk about a couple of the golfers that it featured. But up here, I think there's probably two golfers that I have kind of uh, circled, and Jordan Spieth is one of them. I love his history here. I love what he does well. Okay, first of all, I don't know that I can say the putter is something he does well right now, but we know he can do well there. And the approach game, ball striking and the approach game have been really good with Jordan Speed. So, yeah, he lost over three strokes putting yet again. Uh, is this – what do you think, Rick? What pattern are we looking at here? So I've actually been uh, getting my my newsletter up and running for this week, and I've been diving into this because this is horrible. From you talk about the horrible horseshoe. This is horrible from, from yes. Jordan Spieth right here, the way he's been putting. But I, I actually believe this is 
good. I, I, I don't think he's remotely close to his ceiling. I don't know if it's good. I just don't think he's remotely close to his ceiling when you are literally, you know, last 24 rounds, I bet you he's one of the best ball strikers in the field. Uh, yeah, he's fifth or sixth over the last 24, and you're putting the worst you've ever putted, and you still have a win and a runner-up and all that fun stuff. Um, here's the little nugget, Sia, and I'll bounce this right back to you. Because if there was ever a time for Jordan Spieth to get right, it might be at Colonial because of every course that Jordan Spieth has played at least 10 rounds on, he has gained more strokes putting at Colonial than any other course. Is this the opportunity for him to break out of a slump and putt well? Yeah, I, I, I first of all, I love that stat. And, and I do love Jordan Spieth here. I mean, it feels like a home game for him to some degree. Obviously, it's in Texas. I don't know what if it really, it really is. Uh, yeah, so it's Fort Worth to Dallas. That's pretty close, right? Is oh, it, is it that's Fort adjacent. Worth? That's yeah, the same thing, like, basically. Like the metro area, right? Yeah. So with that said, I mean, he's coming in with good form. Last week wasn't great down the stretch. But listen, you know, if you look at the second, 10th, and 8th place finish over the last three years, we have to keep in mind – Two of those three years, he wasn't playing well at all. So, I, I mean, it's it's interesting that the, the quote, home cooking really works for him even when his game is off. And I think you can probably translate that to the putter to some degree as well. So, yeah, I mean, I think in this range, Jordan Spieth is definitely my favorite guy. I would probably say my second favorite guy is Victor Hovland. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Scotty Scheffler is interesting. I think I would probably be okay with him if his ownership happened to be low. Uh, but I don't think it's going to be low enough for me to want to take him. I mean, his history here isn't great. Uh, he's coming off a miscut. None of that worries me too much, but I do like Jordan Spieth and Victor Hovland better. I I don't usually declare it Victor week because I, I bet him every time he tees it up, so I generally don't have to make those decisions. I, I think it's Victor week. So mm -hmm. the skill sets that he has, the best parts of his game – I believe are magnified. He gets to drive it well. He gets to be a great ball striker on a place that you've got to be accurate and he's accurate and long and he can take advantage of the second shot. And then the worst part of his game, uh, the around the green play, which by the way, for all the conversation about him uh, chipping himself out of it last yeah. week, gained strokes around the green. So props, hat tip to Victor Hovland. Um, right. That part of his game, I don't think is going to be as critical around Colonial. And then you start looking into, you know, the long par three stuff. Victor's name's on that list. Uh, he's played well at this event before. There's also a through line. Again, it's a little anecdotal, but you can get into guys that are going to end up having a lot of long-term success at Colonial are going to play holes three, four, and five very well. Victor in his one trip played them very well, gained a ton of strokes to the field. So I just think that um, when you start checking off the boxes for strengths and weaknesses, this seems to be one of the better spots on, on the schedule for him. Absolutely. Yeah. I think this is, you know, th these, these stars kind of emerge and then kind of fall flat or, or, or flatten out a little bit and then reemerge. I do think it's time for Victor Hovland to, to start emerging. The one guy I wanted to comment on though, and, and I don't know how much this was talked about last week, but if you recall Colin Morikawa, mm -hmm. and I don't know if you heard this, Rick, I, I don't remember anybody sort of talking about it, but he changed his 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 putter or not his putter but his his putting style after the Zurich after playing with Victor Hovland of all people he actually put a line on his golf ball and he was talking about it in his press conference I believe Wednesday afternoon before we teed off at the PGA Championship and he was basically just talking about how he's made the change and and uh he wished he had more time to work with it but so far so good and I got a little worried about that you know entering the PGA Championship and I wonder 
how he feels and how that's going to uh, manifest itself here. Like, I, I just, I think Morikawa is a great course fit here. I just kind of want your opinion on that. I mean, I, I, I don't trust the putter with Colin, but I certainly don't trust the fact that he's changing things around and it didn't seem to work out for him at the PGA championship. Yeah. So I, I do worry that, um, you know, he got to a point last year where he was still losing strokes putting, but he would gain three and a half in a week or he would gain four and then he'd lose three. Like we're not necessarily seeing a lot of the popping recently. It's like twice since CJ cup. The one thing I will note, and I did not hear that about Colin Morikawa, but if you remember, um, he's usually a quick learner. So mm -hmm. I think the last time we saw him put a new something into his putting stroke was Riviera of 2021, which is when he lost seven and a half strokes putting. And everyone was like, oh my God, he's broken. I think he went to that like claw grip that he was working with Marco Mira. And everyone mm -hmm. was like, oh, he's broken. This is horrible. The next week he gained four strokes putting and won the WGC the work day. So I, I think he's a quick learner. Uh, he will likely be an ownership play um, when I start to see what happens with Scotty Scheffler and what happens with the guys in our in our in our playoff yeah. from last week. There's a fascinating situation that I think is brewing with ownership in the ten thousand dollar range. And does that pertain to Justin Thomas and Will Zalatoris? I assume, uh, and right or wrong, I assume people will play Victor and they will play Spieth almost exclusively mm -hmm. and they will shy away from Thomas who won last week, which is crazy, but you know, the, the narrative and yeah. they'll shy away from Zal Torres, you know, a draining major championship playoff. I think I'm most interested in what people do with Scotty, right? Like mm -hmm. $11,200 for the number one golfer in the world who just missed a cut that wasn't all that bad. Right. Remember, remember when uh, Will Zalatoris missed the cut at Byron Nelson and we were like, that's fine. It was a good missed cut. He mm -hmm. gained like three strokes on approach. Well, Scotty was great on approach. He was kind of bad, lost a stroke off the tee, lost less than that around the green and lost a stroke with the putter. This is not a bad missed cut here. And oh, by the way, he was on the wrong side of the wave. I mean, th there was a distinct difference there. So, I mean, if he was on, let's say, the quote, correct side of the wave, I think you can look at these numbers and safely say that that they all would have improved at least nominally enough for him to make the cut. I will likely convince myself, and especially as the week goes on and we and we start to see the ownership numbers roll in, that uh, to just buy low on Scotty here. Yeah, and it's easy to do because you can you can fit Scotty in with with let's say a nine k guy that you really like, or you know honestly you could even dip down to the eight k range from there. But you can do the Scotty thing with a nine k guy. And then still be in that low 7K range in terms of how much you have left for your other four golfers. And so it's up to you what you want to do with that because the low 7K range will get to that. But it's not necessarily as rich as the high 7K range. But if you find somebody in the 6K, well, then all of a sudden you have about 7,500 left for three golfers and you can kind of flirt with that 7K range however you want. So it is not prohibitive to get Scotty and a 9K guy in your lineup. All right. Let's talk about the 9K guys. Sam Burns is 9,700. Max Homa, 94. Abraham Answer, 9,300. Sung Jae-in back in action at 92. Tony Finau is 9,100. And Daniel Berger rounds out our group at a flat $9,000. See, I've got two names that I care about. I've got, I've got two that are like <laughs> fine, and I've got one that I don't think I can touch. Where do you want to start? <laughs> well, I, I know the two I have. I mean, the two names you care about have to be Sam Burns and Max Homa. That's one of them is, so it's, it's more Max Homa than Burns. I think I'm just pretty neutral on Sam Burns this week at 97. 
Okay, so the other guy you really like, it's not Finau, it's not Sungjae, so it's between Answer and Burger, and I'm going to say it's Burger. Uh, I'm intrigued by Burger. It's it's Sungjae. I'm okay. Oh, this, okay. Yeah. Fair so enough. it's Homa and Sungjae here. So Homa, I don't think we need to dive too deep into. He's been a phenomenal ball striker. He's got two wins this season. He's got like all the metrics are there and. You know, the last couple – like when you see Homa on a course that uh, kind of asks you to be accurate and like TPC Potomac, oh, yeah, he won there. Like Riviera, oh, by the way, just like I'll go win there. Like it's – he's very, very good and underrated. Sungjae though, Sia, and I'd love your opinion on this, we haven't seen him. So he goes to play on the Korean PGA – uh, the week before the PGA Championship, test positive for COVID, withdraws from the KPGA event and withdraws from the PGA Championship. So we haven't seen him since the Zurich. We haven't seen him play a individual event since the RBC Heritage, but he was trending, right? These are great mm -hmm. advanced metrics for an eighth place finish at the Masters, for a T21 at the Heritage. He finishes 14th with, I think it was Benny On at the Zurich. Like this was, this was a trend and we just kind of got stopped cold and now we haven't seen him play in a month cold i see what you did there um mm. i don't know i so here's the thing i feel like i need a little bit more information about sungjae but to your point if, if he's here and, and everything looks like all systems go and he happens to be lower like he's definitely going to be lower ownership than almost every guy in the 9k range he might even be the right. lowest owned guy um so, I think so it, yeah yeah i mean i don't think that's a stretch at all so yeah as it as an ownership play as a leverage play off of I mean, listen, Max Homa is going to be like, you can't look at Max Homa's numbers and be like, yeah, I don't want to play that guy. He hasn't lost on approach since February. And by the way, like some of those approach gains are in like kind of incredible, like these like super spike weeks. And of course, everybody's going to want to play Sam Burns, in my opinion, for good reason. Uh, that approach putting game, he can really put that together. So I, I like him quite a bit. So I like the Sungjae pivot. I don't know if I'm going to do it, but I, I don't mind it. The last 24 rounds, Max Homa is a better ball striker than Victor Hovland. He's a better ball striker than everyone in this field. It's actually kind of interesting. They're very, very similar. They're gaining exactly the same number of strokes on approach. Uh, Homa is four one hundredths of a stroke per round better off the tee. Homa is slightly worse around the greens and Homa is a much better putter. Like it's, wh why does no one talk about Max Homa like they should be talking about him? That's a good question. Uh, but I do listen. If you start, and I'm doing it now, if you start your lineup with Victor Hovland and Max Homa, which I think is a fine start, it leaves you with 7650 the rest of the way. I'm just, I'm just putting that out there. I think, I think the low 10k range and a 9k guy are a really good way to start your lineup. And I also think two 9k guys are a really good way to start your lineup. Who, who else in this 9k range would you uh, prefer to 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 roll out? Yeah, I mean, I mentioned Sam Burns. Again, I'm looking for the the, the spike in approach in putter, and we know he can do that. Um, the approach play has been a little more erratic than I would like with Sam Burns as of late, but um, those are the two guys I like the most. Honestly, in the 9K range, I don't think I'm really going to get involved with Abraham Answer. I think he's a fine course fit, but I just, looking at the upside of him relative to everybody, well, certainly Burns and Homa, but even even Sungjae, if Sungjae is in an, in his optimal game, I, I think the upside just is a little bit capped relative to those guys. So I'm not interested in him. I don't think I'm interested in Berger unless he happens to be very low owned. I'm not so sure. I think he's going to be lower owned, but at 9K, I think people are going to try to fit him into their lineup a little bit. I'm just happy to see that um, 
Sam Burns played well in a major championship. Was that oh, his yeah. best finish ever? It had to have been, right? Yeah, it was. Okay. Yeah. 20th at the PGA, gained four strokes on approach. That's that's what you wanted to see because he's got these wins on the PGA Tour and he had nothing of note uh, essentially in major championships. So good sign there from, from Sam Burns. I'm quite worried about Tony Finau. I don't know mm -hmm. if I should be. And it's still all relative because he is in basically his worst this is his worst season since 2016 and it that is still good right like he's gaining a half a stroke to the field um which still makes him a top i don't know 60 player on tour something like that but he is nowhere near as long if you go look at the driving distance numbers see for the first six years of his career he's top 10 every single year now he's like 85th he's never hit it straight i'm like kind of worried that um we're on a down we're on a downturn here i hear you but the good news for that just from a length standpoint is that he doesn't need to be long here and yeah. and he can spike on approach i mean just looking at the last three rounds i mean he he gained two he lost seven and then he gained eight so he's he's just like a more volatile version of, of sam burns at this point maybe without some of the the putting prowess i, I agree with you though I, I don't know that he has the upside that we're looking for, especially when you look at the other guys in this range. So again, with Tony Finau, he's never going to be a, like a super low owned play. So I don't even want to make the leverage comment because people are just going to want to use him here and there. So yeah, I'm probably out on Tony Finau. These aren't red flags, but these are just like a bunch of yellow flags that I'm like, oh man, I don't, I don't know. I'm worried that someone, someone to keep a close eye on uh, moving forward. Certainly. Mm -hmm. Okay. Let's uh, continue down the board here because the $8,000 range offers up some good options as well. We'll get to those as well as the sevens and the sixes. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. It's a really fine line creating workout clothes that are great in the gym and workout clothes that are also great to look at outside the gym. And Viore has threaded that needle. They are designed to work out in, but they don't look like it. They don't feel like it. And it's incredibly comfortable stuff, whether you are running, training, swimming, doing yoga, running errands, lounging around the house. It really doesn't matter. These are versatile clothes. You'll find me often in the men's Sunday performance jogger because I, I like the jogger situation that goes on down at the bottom, but they're very comfortable. Uh, they've got a little bit of a shorter inseam, so they're not as bulky as, as other pants or other joggers that I have seen out there. And I've really enjoyed how they work both in and out of the gym. So now here's what you can do for four, our listeners, uh, first time purchasers are getting 20% off. All you have to do is go to viori.com slash first. That's V-U-O-R-I.com slash first. Again, not only will you receive 20% off your first order, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75. And here's my favorite part, free returns. Yeah, go check it out. Viori.com slash first and discover the versatility of Viori clothing. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. And we're back. $8,000 range, Sia. Uh, Gooch, Fleetwood, Simpson, Mito Pereira, Billy Horschel. Then we round out the bottom with Davis Riley, 
Bryson DeChambeau, Jason Kokrak, and Kevin Na. Bubba Watson has uh, withdrawn from this event, so I will remove him from the cheat sheet. He, I think he said he was playing on a torn meniscus, and he's going to be out three or four weeks. See, I'm no doctor, but that that sounds painful. Yeah, that doesn't that doesn't sound great. Um, nice nice showing from him last I week. Know. I, I don't know when did he say that happened. Like the, uh, he said he's been playing with it. I think. Wow. Okay, so, that's amazing. Um, okay, so th there's a lot of guys to like in the 8K range. I'll, I'll mention a few. First of all, we were on him last week. Uh, Taylor Gooch, I think, is starting to round into form. And, and the, the the price at 8900 it's actually a little higher than I thought it would have been. But he's got good history here. He's been a top 25 machine lately, in spite of the fact that he just hasn't been super great. Um, again, the approach is rounding back into form. The, the putter can spike. I think I'm wondering what his ownership is going to be, but I don't see it being super high. And in that case, I think Gooch is a pretty smart play. There, there's there's so much that you can learn or just kind of glean from looking at the results and thinking through this, right? I mean, the guy misses the cut to Byron Nelson when he was fairly popular, loses mm -hmm. 2.3 strokes on approach, but it's his first start in nearly a month, knocks the rust off, immediately goes out, plays well at the PGA Championship. Like I have, looking back, zero concern about that Byron Nelson week. It's just such an outlier that you can write it off. And actually he's been much better off the tee in short recent form than kind of we've seen. So I, I agree. We might be on the, the uptick of Taylor Gooch here. Yeah. So I'm good with him. Uh, another guy that I don't think you can say a bad word about when you look at the metrics and I'm, and I'm kind of referring back to Max Homo when I say that, but Tommy Fleetwood, like I, I have a feeling Fleetwood's going to be really popular because yeah. it's going to be hard to look at these metrics, I mean, the ball striking and the putter have been great. He's gained on approach six out of the last seven, which I think would surprise some people. The short game has been amazing. He's gained around the green in nine out of the last 10, and with the putter, seven out of the last nine. Basically, what I told you is he's gaining everywhere, including last week. So I, at 8,800, you know, I think he's starting to become that sort of sexy name again where people really want to play Tommy Fleetwood. And I feel like I'm a little late to the party. And so if ownership is really high, I'm happy to just jump on to somebody else's bandwagon. But if it's not prohibitively high, I think Tommy Fleetwood is a great play. This is uh, easily the best golf we've seen from him since the shutdown. So that was like February to June of 2020. So we're talking about two years. This is easily the best golf we've seen. I agree he will be popular. Uh, not only does he have the great finishes, but the gaining across the board at the PGA Championship in a very public spot where you, where Tommy was one of the few guys who was charging on Sunday, he he will be popular. It'll be for it'll be for good reason. Uh, Davis Riley hmm. uh, must have gotten words of advice from Will Zalatoris at the Zurich because when since they've played together, he's gone. Fourth, fifth, ninth, thirteenth, and that thirteenth was the PGA Championship. He does it in a really sustainable way. But let's talk about um, let's talk about the big boy. Wow, Bryson DeChambeau. I looked this up. Cheapest he's been in like two years. Are you gonna try to buy low on old beefy Bryson? Wow. So I feel like I need a little bit more information. I mean, obviously he needs to confirm that he's going to play like on Wednesday, for example. I, I'm actually right. I'm actually not sure he will play. Remember, he went through 
three practice rounds at Southern Hills, even tweeted out like, well, it held up well today, and then withdrew saying he wasn't ready. I was under the impression he was going to, and I think he might have said this, that he was going to try to make it back for the memorial. But I think he's going to try the same thing where he goes out, he's going to play practice rounds because this is very close to where he lives. This is not, not a, there's no travel involved for him. So there's no risk involved in this where I think he's going to play some practice rounds and see to see how it feels. So yes, with the caveat, see that there's a chance he doesn't even play. If he does play, do we play him? So I think the answer is no. As much as I want to be like really cute and like really like super <laughs> smart and ahead of the curve, like I, I want to say, yeah, this is the time to play him, but it's it's not that like that's the thing. I, like I need to see a little bit more when when we want to get in early on somebody. I think this is like way too early. If, if you put all the sort of the facts that we know about his injury and how much he's played and practiced. I just don't see it. I mean, it's eighty three hundred, so that that's all well and good, and he can be he can kind of harken back to his more like precise style of play before he got big on this particular course. But I, I don't see it with him. All right. Can I tell you what the absolute best case scenario is here? Um, Bryson plays, he misses the cut, but he gains like two strokes off the tee. Uh, he loses strokes and enough to miss the cut in, like around the green where he always loses them, which is not that big of a deal. And, like the stuff that would be rust you, you could you could chalk up to rust. And then when we get the memorial field that gets injected with another 20 golfers who are great and Bryson is still the same price uh or cheaper, like then then we're early. I think I think yeah. next week next week's the time. That's right. Because to your point, if that scenario plays out, he's not gonna he's gonna be lower priced, but he's not gonna be popular again. People just aren't gonna want to do it. And so that would be the time to play him. I agree. I just want to see like that flat. I want to see that driver again. Gain, gain me two strokes off the tee. I don't care what else he does. Um, the bottom of this range has two uh, past champions. Our defending champion, Jason Kokrak's 8,200, who has not only won this event, but he also finished third in 2020. And then Kevin Na, who won it in 2019, finished fourth in 2018, missed the cut in 2020, and then finished 32nd last year. Um, I'm I'm kind of just like lukewarm on both of these guys. See, ya. I I see the merits. If they end up making my lineups, that's great. I will not go out of my way to get access to them. But I'm 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 cool with it. Yeah, and I think they'll be reasonably popular just because of how they're priced at 8100, 8200, given their course history here. I am also lukewarm on them. I, I think this is going to be a tournament where I'm going to be doing a lot more kind of pivoting than maybe I would normally do. And so I think God, you brought up a guy, Davis Riley, who honestly I wasn't big on last week. So that just kind of, you know, that door got slammed on my face. But I think Davis Riley and Billy Horschel are going to be interesting pivots. I know when we get to like an approach course, people kind of shy away from Billy Horschel. They want to see maybe a little bit better metrics. But Horschel's been really good. And, and he was on the bad side of the wave last week. He missed the cut, right? Billy missed the cut, right? No, he did not, but he finished 68th. It was, he oh. might as well have missed the cut. He made Fair the cut enough. on the number and then it, it didn't get much better after that. So slightly impressive that he made the cut, you know, under, you know, worse conditions, I guess. But I, I think Billy Horschel and Davis Riley are interesting pivots. But otherwise, I'm not really interested in this range beyond Taylor Gooch, Tommy Fleetwood. And I may, and Rick, I want to get your opinion here. I may go right back to Mito Pereira. What are your thoughts? I thought about I, it. Um, I haven't decided. At least if you talk about like the hangover effect, at least he's cheaper than the other guys. And 
He, I mean, we know what Mito is. We talk about Mito a lot. He's awesome. And I, I really don't know. I mean, it's it's easy to say that he took it in stride in his interviews afterwards. Um, I don't know how he woke up this morning, right? I don't know how he was feeling when he woke up this morning. But I like the idea that he's getting out there and just playing again. Like, don't dwell mm -hmm. on it. Just like, just go play again. So I'm, I'm generally cool with it. Okay, I'm going to ask you a question that you're going to hate because you're so data-driven. But I just feel like, let's just have some fun. Let me ask, of sure. like the three guys that were really involved down the stretch yesterday, I mean, obviously there were other guys involved, but Will Zalatoris, Mito yeah. Pereira, and Justin Thomas, who ended up winning, of course. Which rank, rank those three in terms of how negatively last week or the PGA Championship would affect their game this week? In other words, the first person you put is most okay. negatively affected by what happened at okay. the PGA Championship. Uh, Mito is most negatively affected. Uh, mm -hmm. JT is second most negatively affected because not only does he have the emotion, but like when you ascend the mountaintop, it is hard to reset and try to reascend the mountaintop when we are like 23 days away from the U S open. And he's probably thinking about that and he probably celebrated and he also, uh, had a ton of media obligations and he will continue to. So he is second most negatively impacted. Uh, Will Zalatoris, I could argue is not that negatively impacted because one, he made a putt to get into a playoff, which I think he can glean a lot of confidence from. He did not lose the playoff. JT just beat him. He did not have the media obligations. And also um, he gets to go to Texas, uh, get back home, get a little boost of energy. Like I, I, I think Zaltor's like, I would be 0% surprised if he just won this thing. <laughs> it's a perfectly acceptable answer, but it's incorrect, Rick, because it, the <laughs> ranking of course is Mito, Zalatoris, and then JT. I think JT just fell into a win. He didn't have the stress down the stretch that Will Zalatoris and Mito Pereira had. He didn't think he was going to win. He was just playing good golf, and all, then all of a sudden, oh, I'm in a playoff. Let me just go out and win this. And he's like a killer. I know he doesn't have the, the, the major record to sort of justify me saying that, but I could absolutely see him coming out here and, and just forgetting about last week and just racking up another victory. All right, well. We'll we'll let the chat break the tie there and let us know who the the correct <laughs> rankings of most to least uh, negatively affected from last week. Seven thousand dollar range, sizable. Uh, he will. I will not read all of these. Uh, Chris Kirk, Gary Woodland at the top, Brian Harmon, Harold Varner the third, Justin Rose. The bottom of the seven thousand dollar range: David Lipsky, Brendan Todd, Emiliano Grillo, James Hahn, Matt Jones. So lots of names here, Sia. Um, how do we want to go about allocating our dollars? Yeah, so many really good names to choose from. I'll, I'll start at the top. There, there's two guys at the top that I really like, uh, one of which I really liked last week. He was only 6,900 last week. That's Chris Kirk. Mm -hmm. um, he gained over 10 strokes T to green last week. And that's already like he was already coming into good form into the PGA Championship. So I don't even really need to go back further than that. Being 6,900 last week, the PGA Championship, was definitely like a huge value. So I like him at 7,900. I mean, we're looking at it now. What's not to like? Obviously, the putter can fail him, but we know historically he's a pretty good putter. So everything else is just popping. Yeah, this is pretty good. I think he's got a pretty good record around Colonial as well. Oh, that's right. Yeah, won it in 2015. Uh, spotty otherwise, but he's never missed a cut. He's got the win and he's got, a, I don't know, four other top, 15s that's 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 pretty solid for chris kirk and, and i could make the argument that how he was doing in like 2015 2016 and, 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 and well i don't want to go back and check here but 
I think he was playing better golf then than he was when he played this in like 2020, 2021. So um, I, I think Kirk is, is another good value play. He might be popular. Uh, Woodland is another guy that might get some ownership. Mm -hmm. uh, he's got a ninth and a 14th here. He's coming in with pretty good form. There's usually, he's, he's usually, he's susceptible to having like one bad day that kind of gets him off track. But I do like the form he's coming in with and, and the track record he has here. Going down the line a little bit, I'll just name a few other guys. Sebastian Munoz wasn't very good last week. Uh, he made the cut barely on the number, but just the weekend didn't really do much for him. He also has no experience, but I think if ownership is low, I think you've got decent value for a guy who's been very, very good prior to the PGA Championship. Uh, Tom Hoagie feels like a pretty good course fit, although his experience here is pretty yeah. underwhelming. That's a weird one because he's, mm -hmm. a, he's a Fort Worth guy. He went to TCU, and mm -hmm. I wonder if – this is such a corny narrative and I hate narratives, but a lot, going back to like a place where, you know, a lot of people has a lot of obligations where it's tickets and interviews and seeing people you haven't seen. And the fact that he's got two missed cuts and two finishes in the forties, like maybe, maybe it just doesn't work out with him when he goes back to Fort Worth. Yeah, you might be right. It's, it's, and I almost mentioned him because it that like that doesn't make sense. Like I feel like he should be pretty good on this course. But to your point, I'm I'm sort of happy to pivot off of him. I think a, a guy to pivot on to is perhaps Mav McNeely. Um, he's got decent recent form. He's got decent course history here. Uh, feels like a good course fit at 7,500. I, I think he's a solid play. I don't think he'll gain too much ownership because honestly, that upper 7K range is so rich with guys that honestly I didn't even mention, like I think Justin Rose, for example, he's up there, Brian Harmon, HV3. All yeah. of those guys are really, really good candidates. So I don't think anybody's going to be super chalky up there. It's going to be pretty flat at the upper 7K range. Yeah, the short list for me is uh, Gary Woodland, Justin Rose, and then Harold Varner III is someone who just pops up every everything I slice up. Harold Varner III pops up. Mm -hmm. um, what I'm showing right now is the last 24 rounds, everybody in this field – just strokes gain total. So it's like, who's been the best? And HV3's fifth. It's JT Burns, Scotty, Will Zalatoris, and HV3. Um, there's also, again, those things I talked about where long, long par threes, uh, over 190 yards, Varner's number one on tour. Um, look at, I mean, even, even the results recently, right? Like the T3 at Harbortown, that's a course that asks you to be uh, precise off the tee and accurate instead of long and play positional golf. And that's kind of what we're going to see this week as well. You know, he gains four strokes at the PGA championship putts horribly. That's fine. Like he's probably not going to lose five strokes with the putter again. So I just, mm -hmm. however, I want to start to assess this and I try different things. Varner's name pops up quite a bit. Yeah. And I don't mind that play at all. And again, because ownership is going to kind of be, it's going to be, high a little bit elevated in that upper 7k range but i also think it's going to be kind of flat because there's so many good guys in that 7800 7900 range that i think you can get away with playing hb3 i think he'll have some ownership for sure because i think people are seeing what you're seeing and his recent form has been pretty solid as well bottom of the range um just kind of clicking through here anything catching your eye i mean david lipsky has three top 25 finishes in his last four and four in his last six. Uh, but I, I wish he had some run around colonial. Anything else catch your eye here? Yeah. A couple guys, Nate Lashley for one, 
he's got decent course history as well. Uh, plenty of upside that that we've seen recently with a 17th at the Byron, uh, 11th in Mexico. And I guess he had a he had a withdrawal in between that. I'm I'm trying to recall what that was about. Yeah, it was a toe injury. Oh, that's right. Or at least that's what he that's what he cited. I, I mean, I'm not going to say he wasn't hurt, but they have to give a reason. So he gave it was a toe injury. He played the next week and finished 17th. Exactly. So I think Nate Lashley is interesting at 7,100. Um, a, a good guy to maybe just jam into your lineup if, if you end up down in that range. I don't necessarily want to give up on on JJ Spawn quite yet. Uh, I will mention that he was in the the bad side of the draw last week at the PGA Championship. And I'm not trying to make that like some huge deal, but there was a difference there. I think it's worth pointing out. So I think JJ Spawn is interesting, could be a little bit of a value there as well. Yeah, so just last 24 rounds of everybody in the 7Ks, uh, HV3, Chris Kirk, Troy Merritt, Matthew Neesmith, Gary Woodland are your top five. Uh, JJ Spawn, yes, even with the bad side of the draw, gaining a half a stroke per round during that time frame as well, does it via the ball striking categories, not necessarily the short game categories, which again, probably not the worst thing in the world for this week. Uh, okay, so yeah, the 6Ks. The top of the 6K range, Adam Long, Minwoo Lee, Pat Perez, Patton Kazire, Russell Knox. The flat $6,000 golfers for this week. Oh, Tyler Strafacci's in the field. Nick Watney, Luke Donald, Eric Compton. That's a good story. Adam Shank. Wow. Remember when he was just like the cut master? He's wow, actually he's six flat. He's actually been pretty good. That's strange. Why is he six thousand dollars? I have no idea. That 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 to me that seems like a bit of a misprice here. He's played well. First of all, he's played six weeks in a row. So he made the cut last week. Finished tenth two weeks ago. Fourteenth two before that. Seventh three starts before that. I mean, I'm not saying he should be like eighty five hundred, but he shouldn't be six thousand dollars, right? Yeah, I mean the metrics aren't like great, but they're not staggeringly bad either to be 6K. I mean, the approach game and you know the ball striking in general has been pretty bad, but there are weeks where he, like you you mentioned the finishing positions at the Wells Fargo, he gained over five ball striking. He certainly has the capability to do that. Uh, it's been bad overall, but he can gain with the putter here and there too. So at 6K, I think it's worth a flyer. I also think Luke Donald at 6K is worth a flyer considering his approach game. Shank is the 15th best player in this $6,000 race. So there are... 65 golfers in the $6,000 range. Shank is the 15th best in the last 24 rounds. Donald is the 17th best. They're both min priced. Yeah. And there's a guy right below them, Austin Smotherman, who's 6,300 that I like. Nick Taylor down there. Um, I also like a little bit, but at the top, that that's where and I see Tyler Duncan, who I'm usually a pretty big fan of. Uh, Brandon Wu, Adam Long, Peter Malnati. I think each of them have pretty great upside. So I, I, I will be speculating probably more with Brandon Wu and Adam Long than Peter Malnati, but I think all three of those guys have pretty great upside considering their price. I like Adam Long. Uh, Adam Long's got two top 20 finishes here in the last three years. He's got two top 20 finishes in his last four starts. Similar, uh, I'm in on JT Poston. Uh, mm. you know, this is two top 10 finishes in his last four. And the two top tens are at places where you've got to be precise off the tee. It's TPC Potomac. It's Harbor town. And then you look at his results at colonial. He's got two top twenties in his last four years. He's, he is by no means safe, but I think this is a better setup for him than a lot of other spots on tour. And I, I, I do, and I agree. I, I do want to mention in that low seven K range, a guy that I, I forgot. And you, you're making the TPC comps. Um, 
KH Lee's only 7,200. And the, the form obviously has been pretty great. So I think that's another guy in that low 7K range that probably for whatever reason still won't have much by way of ownership that I no. think uh, is an interesting play. No, no, K, no. KH Lee will never carry ownership, um, which is probably wrong, but it's it's probably it's probably true. Okay. Anybody else in this 6K range? See, I think we even noted uh, softer pricing this week. Uh, and even, even what, what did we start with Victor and who was the other guy we started with? And then we had like $7,600 left. Victor and Homa. And we had 7,650 left. Yeah. So you might not have to dive too deep down into the $6,000 tier. Last year's optimal was Spieth, Kokrak and four guys in the $7,000 range. So it did not necessarily require you to go down to the sixes, which I thought was, I thought was kind of interesting. And I think this I think this year's optimal will be very similar to that. It wouldn't shock me at all if there's four guys in the 7K range is what I'm trying to say because it's it's pretty rich. I think uh, maybe one other guy I'd like to mention in that 6K range, I mean, first of all, Sabatini has a good history here, but the metrics yeah. don't really tell me much supporting that. Um, Lucas Glover, though, he gained eight strokes on approach last week. He's got an eighth and a 23rd last two times at Colonial. 23rd last week when he was gaining those eight strokes on approach. I think that's interesting. That's the glove for you. That sounds just like uh, Lucas Glover, if I ever heard it. Uh, okay, see, I believe this is now the John Markowski portion of the show where yes. uh, we delve into the narrative lineup of the week, but uh, basically it turned into the narrative pun lineup of the week presented by John Markowski. That's right, and I don't know that we have these to pull up, so I may just have to read them off. Um, okay. So let me start with John's, and then I'll have – I'll have three more to just like quickly run through. Okay. Is there a, is there a theme? Is there a theme here? What's the theme? Well, so for John Markowski, the theme is if I were to heed advice from Charles Schwab, it is the Charles Schwab challenge after all, here's what I could afford. In other words, if I got good investment advice, here's what I could afford. <laughs> we start with Scotty personal Scheffler. <laughs> that's so good. By Daniel, the way, the personal chef is like, that's yeah, that's pretty, that would be really cool. I want you've that. made it. Yeah, you've that. made it at that point for sure. Yeah, that'd be cool. Especially if they're like living in your home. I mean, I guess that's probably what you mean by that. Yeah, that's what I mean. But like, <sighs> yeah, that would be cool. That would be really cool. Okay, so we got. So you're 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 trying to whip something up here, Rick. You're not there yet, buddy. Just give it I'm give it some time. <laughs> You'll get there, man. Uh, Scotty, personal Scheffler, Daniel, Kobe, Beef Burger. Max Summer Homa in the Hamptons. Oh my That's god. That's great. That is okay, great. got it. Yeah, this is good. Yeah. Sahith ticket to Thigala Ball. Holy crap, John. Yes. David Lip Ski Vacation in Vale. Oh my God, John. Impressive, John. He outdoes himself every week. And then the finally is Adam Footlong with the Fixins. So you can eat well too with your personal shuffler, I suppose. Sahith so ticket to Thigala. Yes. Oh. <laughs> Max Homa in the Hamptons is pretty great. Um, so let me just run through the other three, which of course aren't aren't going to be good, as good as John's. I'll just do it really quick. This is from AH AHS Chargers Golf. At okay. AHS Chargers Golf. Um, he is talking about colonial figures because it's the colonial country club, of course. Okay. Sam Adams Burns, Justin Thomas Jefferson, Doc Redcoat, Aaron nice. Burr Rye. Paul Revere Barjan and Victory for America Hovland. Those are good. I like that. That's oh, they're uh, solid. 
Yeah, sticking with the Colonial. I like that. That's good. Okay. These are great. And Model Maniac with, with another submission. Charles Schwab Board of Directors. This is a fictitious Board of Directors. Millie Billy Horschel, President. Money <laughs> Max McGreedy, CFO. Harry Six Figs Riggs, Party yep. Planning Committee. Hell yeah. Dollar Bill Haas, Treasurer. Bribin Brian Harmon, The Ethics Committee. Nice. And of and of course, Jason Howdy Saudi Kokrak, International Relations. And, wow. And finally, Rick, uh, this one's mine. Uh, I'm so when impressed with creativity here. Uh, this is great. Uh, when you so here's here's mine. When you think challenge, as in Charles Schwab challenge, you think duel. You think rivalry. The Charles Schwab challenge rivalry team at First Cut Pod: Tom Hoagie versus Daniel Berger. Hoagie mm. versus a Berger. Nice. Stuart Sink versus Aaron Rise. Rye, rise, sink, or rise. And then finally, Doc Redman, Doc, wow. versus Paterni Kazire. Doc Redman versus Paterni Kazire. And then for the real ones, John Pock versus Brandon Wu Tang Clan. Strokes gain narrative, folks. The, the sink and rise was so good that even after you explained it to me, it took me like three more seconds. And I was like, oh my God, yeah, that's. That's pretty strong. Wow. We're getting, I mean, I, I say we as like the community because I have nothing to do with this. We're getting pretty good at this. It's solid. The wordplay is, there is not, I'll, I'll say this. There is not a show in the podcast or YouTube universe that has the wordplay that the first cut owns Monday nights at 530 Eastern Standard Time. Uh, hard to argue with that. Impossible. Hard to argue with that. Uh, okay. See, we don't have tea times yet, but. Would you like to give us a little uh, insight into who might be some possible first round leader darts? Yeah, I, I put four down here. They might change and I'll definitely add a fifth like I always do. But I put Sam Burns down at 35 to one, Tommy Fleetwood at 40 to one, Sebastian Munoz at 50 to one, and Nate Lashley at 130 to one. So Burns, Fleet, Munoz, Lashley. It's very likely a couple of these chains uh, when uh, Tetons come out. I'm going to try not to forget about Lashley because he was playing well, had that weird WD, played well immediately after. I'm going to try not to forget about him this week. And for the record, we were a 19-foot putt by Rory McIlroy away from hitting another one of these because we had I, I had Will Zalatoris last week. And if, right. if, Bogey, if, if he makes par, if Rory makes par on the last hole from 19 feet away, then we're good. We got a split with him and Tom Hoagie. Yeah, Rory McIlroy was five under after round one. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't he have just loved to just freeze at five under, get into a playoff? Like I can't, I can't imagine at any point, even when Rory was charging on Sunday, that he thought five under was going to be good enough to get into a playoff. Well, it's crazy because of how he started. I mean, he absolutely could have gotten into that playoff. And, and what's even crazier, and this is a tweet I saw because I didn't, I wasn't doing the the math on the time, but I think it was three oh five p.m. Eastern Standard Time that I. I was he already on the back nine that Justin Thomas was still eight shots back of Mito Pereira? I mean, he, he was, was, that might be right because Mito, Mito dropped another, yeah, four or five. And then he made a couple birdies coming in. He, I think he played the back nine, three under that. That could be right. He was definitely eight back at three o'clock Eastern standard time, which was, was, which was an hour into, or almost an hour into Mito's um, initial tea time on Sunday. It's nuts. Wild, wild stuff. Uh, we'll be back Tuesday morning, bright and 
early for the mega preview pod and round by round recaps for each and every round of the Charles Schwab challenge. Make sure you get your one and done selections in the link for the fan vote is in the description right now. Do not hesitate. We're going early on Tuesday for now. Big thanks. How about this? See ya. Big thanks to producer Troy doing all the hard work behind the scenes. That Jacob guy, forget about him. We've got Troy spinning the knobs, pressing the buttons. Did a great job today. Fantastic job, Troy. Thank you so much. I, I, I can't wait to work with Troy. Who's Jacob anyway? I don't even know. I don't even know what Jacob at this point. Can, if uh, if he never comes back, I actually don't know. I think he'll be back. I have no idea. But uh, <laughs> if he doesn't, we're splitting up his money in the one and done. Everybody but Mark gets his money. I don't. I don't think. Uh, I don't think I deserve his money. I gotta be honest. I'll, I'll take your share too. <laughs> Sia Najad available on Twitter at Sia Najad. You can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut. We'll catch you next time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.